Welcome to Dodgers Dogs. Casey Porter here, joined by Austin Brubaker, as I am each and every week as we do these shows. And so super excited about tonight. Have a lot of awesome topics to talk about last, uh, tonight, Austin. I am so, so, so excited. We've talked and talked and talked. We guaranteed you that Nick Frasso, or Nick Frasso, I, I always say that with my Oklahoma accent. It's actually Nick Frasso. And Landon Knack was going to make it. We also guaranteed you that there would be two at max three spots that they would use to protect prospects with. That happened, and we said if they did actually extend it into a third offer that we thought it would be Hunter Fiducia, that happened as well. So all is good. Yeah, all is good. We had a pretty fun show last week, kind of previewing, leading up to the Rule 5 protection. Uh, And a lot of the guys that we expected to be protected were. And then also there was a nice surprise with Hunter Fiducia. We were kind of... 50-50 on whether he would be protected. I think the Dodgers could have used him for some of that catcher depth, uh, and they certainly added him, and he's a very talented player. All of these guys are, and we're just really excited for them. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, I wanted to mention right off the top, just a little housekeeping here. Hey, we do not have our Super Chats approved yet. I don't know what's going on with YouTube, but, but sometimes you get a glitch, and then YouTube doesn't actually have people that answers you know, they really don't have a, they have kind of a feedback play. So I put in the feedback that we can't get to our super chats. You know, hey, if you'd like to donate 50 cents or whatever, uh, we're going to use our GoFundMe account as our super chat. So I pinned that GoFundMe account. You can see there on that first message. So if you would like to help Dodgers Daily by donating a dollar or five dollars or whatever you would like to, to donate to Dodgers Daily, again, we are trying to start a fund that would send both Austin and I to, Spring training, I know Mike, our residential catcher, who's already in the lobby. Appreciate you uh, joining tonight, as you always do, Mike. And uh, uh, I don't know why your your YouTube notifications aren't working. That would be an interesting thing. We probably need to check that out. But we do have the link to our GoFundMe account at the very top. I pinned it. It's going to stay at the very top of this lobby. So if you'd like to go into our Dodgers Daily GoFundMe, just click that link, give 50 cents, give a dollar, Whatever you'd like, that's going to be our super chat for tonight. So other than that, Austin, what's up? What else is on your mind, brother? Yeah, no, I mean, you just mentioned that right now. Going, go, being able to go to spring training would be something that would be really cool for both of us, something that I've never experienced before. Uh, no, I think top of mind has to be the Rule 5 draft selectees. Uh, them being added to the roster. That's kind of been the big news recently. And then you go into um, off-season discussion as far as the Dodgers are concerned. There's a a lot of rumors going around as far as what the Dodgers are going to do. You don't know exactly uh, where their chips are going to fall. A lot to think about right now, not necessarily there as far as news is concerned, biggest news being the guys, Fiducia, Knack, and Frasso. Um, but a lot of rumors going around 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 the Dodgers. So for the people in the comments section, love to hear uh, kind of some ideas that you, maybe you guys have, some people that you maybe want us to discuss as far as potential options for the Dodgers or throughout the farm system. If you have anybody that you want our opinion on, we'd be happy to talk about it. I know uh, you posted, what was it, yesterday, the interview with the Maytag Jack Dreyer, uh, which was, um, if you haven't seen that yet, that is a really amazing interview. And I think he does well. 
yeah, he does so well. And yeah, and it really resonated for me. Uh, him just kind of emphasizing how much that Grey Lakes Loons team wanted to yeah. win. I mean, you could you could hear it how much how badly that team wanted it, which is something that was very evident if you watched that team and just his journey growing up. And he's he's going to continue this journey, continue to make progress. So if you haven't checked that out, highly highly recommend it. It is on the Dodgers Daily YouTube channel. So just go ahead and check the link it out right there. That is the link right there that I posted to the interview with Jack, uh, Jack Dreyer right there, that last one that I posted. So there it is. <laughs> yes, go definitely check go out, check right? that out. Yeah. Yeah. No, hey, was that cool for you? Hey, you getting kind of see how this team was, getting to see him, and then hearing it from his own work, from his own mouth? That was kind of cool, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. No, it, it's definitely cool. The Golden Loon recipient towards the end of the year, Grey Lakes Loons were able to honor him. He had his – He you talked about him – being really good at Rubik's Cube, Loons had, or he gave the Loons it, all, their own Rubik's Cube oh, display he? for them. Yeah, it was displayed out in the behind home plate and in the concourse, which is really cool. Uh, did a lot of really good stuff. Um, got to pitch in Iowa at, to close the season, going back to uh, kind of his roots uh, in the championship. So that was pretty cool. A lot of really cool stuff with Jack Dreyer, not to mention that he's a phenomenal pitcher closed out the uh, first round of the playoffs for loons as well. Lots of good stuff to like about him. You know, he pitched the state championship game there in Iowa his senior year had 13 strikeouts. I believe it was a shutout 13 strikeouts, which is the third most in the history of any finals game in the history of Iowa high school baseball. So this guy, hey, he had the injury in Iowa, you know, the Tommy John. His dad, Steve, played with the Rangers. Matter of fact, I got to see Steve Dreyer play quite a bit when he was in Oklahoma City in the mid to late 90s. When Oklahoma City, I asked him, I don't know if you remember for that part of the interview, but but he was with the Benji Gill, the uh, Rusty Greer, the Juan Gonzalez, Pudge Rodriguez. You remember Pudge Rodriguez, right? He was with yep. that entire crew. That came through Oklahoma City, and they won the PCL championship there in, like, I think it was 96, 97. His dad was actually on that team. Jack Dreyer's was. His dad's name was Steve Dreyer. And I actually got to see him pitch quite a bit there at All Sports Stadium in Oklahoma City. And I actually remembered him, remembered just about everybody on that team because that was such a cool team. So that was a cool moment I got to spend with Jack Dreyer as well, getting to talk about his dad and his dad, Jack, as well was the first pitcher to come in for Nolan Ryan in relief and Nolan Ryan's very last game in the major leagues. Yeah, just some phenomenal, phenomenal stories just from the heritage that he comes from. And then to see what he's doing now yeah. at the professional level is just so cool. Okay, so we got a lot of commentary. Frankie G, thank you so much for joining. Mike, you are spot on. We are going to go... What do we say? I think we went uh, with Coach Holt on Sunday night. Mike has it written down right here. Okay, we're going we're going at six o'clock Pacific on Wednesday, six o'clock Pacific on Friday, and then I think it's four o'clock Pacific on Sunday. That's what we nailed down. Maybe five o'clock five o'clock Pacific Sunday. Let's do this. Five o'clock Pacific Sunday. Uh, it's going so it's it's going to be a five o'clock Pacific Sunday, six o'clock Pacific, both Wednesday and Friday. We're going to go live. This is going to be three times a week in the offseason. We want to grow a, a nice crowd and a nice community here at Dodgers Daily. So super excited about that. Frankie G, again, thank you so much for joining. Hey, did you get a chance to read Mike's article this morning 
on I can't remember the name. It was it's one another Jap. Let me hold on. I'll, I'll get it here in just a second. A residential catcher. Uh, was it another? Was another pitcher from Japan? A hitter? No, home run hitter. Uh, oh, a hitter. M- Munitaka Murakami. I have not read that. Yeah, no, no I man, haven't had a chance time. to read it yet. It is big, big, big time. I am posting the link right now. This is the link to Mike's story, our residential catcher. You see him in here as Doom, Doom, Doom underscore South. Okay, he's our like I said, he played high level catcher all the way through. So you know he knows a lot about baseball, right? Because catchers are like the best coaches on earth. Okay, so he wrote oh, yeah. just a tremendous story on Munitaka. Let me, I got it. I keep forgetting this name. Okay. Munitaka Murakami, okay, and some of his greatness in Japan. He actually played in the World Baseball Classic. I didn't even know who the guy was. I was fascinated when I read it. So, Mike, thank you so much for for joining third baseman and first baseman corner infielder from Japan, and he hits a lot of home runs. So, definitely check that out. I left the link right there in the, the lobby. So, that was an awesome story. Thanks again, Mike, for that. Okay, so I think the big one here, we knew that uh, – we knew Frasso and we knew Knack. The big one is Hunter Fiducia. So what do you do with Austin Barnes? Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a real question right now. Is this a move to potentially become that backup catcher for Hunter Fiducia? Or, which I think is more likely at this moment, I think right now Hunter, F- Hunter Fiducia is that catching depth that you have right now. Look, um, throughout oh, the course of the season— the major league level? I do not yeah, at this moment. Yeah, was, no, and, and yeah. yeah, and let me explain that for the audience. Um, right now, if you look at the catching position as far as catching depth within the Dodgers organization, especially at the upper levels of the minor leagues, there's not a lot of guys who could come up and fill that role besides Hunter Fiducia. You have some very talented hitters in there. You have Carson Taylor, who hasn't made the jump to AAA yet. You have the Diego Cartaya, who is on the 40-man roster, not ready for the major leagues yet. You have Dalton Russian. You have a whole sort of names, not names that are necessarily ready to make that jump. And we know the catching position is a taxing position on players. For Will Smith, he caught a lot of games last year. Austin Barnes, he even though he struggled, he is still able to be there and be a backstop for you. Right now, I think the role that Hunter Fiducia is filling, I think because Austin Barnes has a contract for next season, unless they sign another catcher, I think Hunter Fiducia bridges that gap between uh, the guys on the major league roster and the guys on the minor league roster. I think he's going to be the first one to be called up if there's any sort of injury, which you have to have insurance in case there is some sort of injury. Uh, I also think there's going to be competition between him and Austin Barnes to see if Austin Barnes is still capable of doing it at the big league level or if they should roll with Hunter Fiducia. I don't think that option is completely closed. But I think right now they added him because they need some depth at the catching position. Um, And they also see him as a very talented player, which he most certainly is. This tells me they think that he is their second best catcher in the organization. So that tells me if something were to happen to Will Smith and he goes on, say, concussion protocol for two weeks, Hunter Fiducia is going to be the starting catcher. 
I, I don't think you put him on the 40-man yeah. if that wasn't your case. I don't think you put him on the 40-man to be a backup to Austin Barnes. And here's the deal. Your second-best guy at whatever position it is isn't the backup on the bench. Your second-best guy usually is the guy at AAA because he has to get at-bats every day. He has to continue to get playing time. We saw that with Michael Bush. Usually fill in your depth with journeyman-type guys like a Kike Hernandez or even like a Jason Howard or a David Peralta or a Miguel Rojas. That's how you fill your depth out. But your up-and-coming prospects, unless you think that they are going to play every single day, they stay in AAA. So the fact that they put him on the 40-man, you know, the one thing that really got him last year was Austin Wins, I think, is the catcher that they brought up, is that that Hunter was not on the 40-man at that time, and they wanted to DFA that spot because they didn't want that spot to have to be there all year on the 40-man, and they did not want to DFA Hunter Fiducia. So he kind of got screwed out of that deal. I mean, just point blank. I mean, and I don't really think it was necessarily anybody's fault. It just kind of was a bad situation. So I'm glad to see that the organization made good on that because this tells me right now that he is going to be in the major leagues at some point next year. And I think he goes right in front of Austin Barnes and becomes the starter. Now I think Barnes plays more if Fiducia, if it's him and Fiducia, I think Barnes plays more than he would if it's him and Smith. But I do think Fiducia becomes the primary catcher at that point. I don't think you put him on the 40 man if he's there just to go up and sit on the bench. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think you made a really good point. Even if he does start next season at AAA, which I think is likely at this moment, talking November 15th, um, he will still be getting a lot of reps at AAA, which is something that is incredibly important for these guys, getting consistent, repeated reps. You don't want these guys, especially your younger guys that are looking to continue to grow their game, uh, to be sitting on the bench. So with him, I think he's going to be there. I think he provides tremendous insurance just in case something happens, which over the course of a full 162-game season, there are going to be things that happen. So I think you feel comfortable with him being able to provide that insurance, that backup. And then if he is called upon, you have confidence that he's going to be able to step up and deliver. So if it's a one or two, three-day type deal, you know, hey, maybe you jam your thumb or something like that, then then I think Austin Barnes catches those games, right? Okay. But I think yeah. if it becomes a, a, an extended period of time, this tells you that for the next couple of years, Hunter Fiducia is the second catcher in this org. I just think that's the statement that was made by the Dodgers doing this. And then I think he is the gap. So I think, I think he's the gap between, hey, we know we have a good left-handed stick that can hit fastballs. He's a big guy. He has a real chill personality. The pitchers love throwing to him. He integrates every type of different personality perfectly because he's such a laid-back dude. I mean, he just he just is such a cool dude that there's literally no personality type that doesn't like throwing to him. That's one big advantage Hunter Fiducia has. He throws, he throws down fine, okay, and he obviously has that. He's left-handed. That's an advantage, too. That's a good deal. Uh, and he hits fastballs at an elite level. doesn't matter if you throw it 180 miles an hour. We showed his flat swing last week. Hunter Fiducia is going to hit it. So, he, I just think the Dodgers, again, I think they made the statement that he is catcher number two in this organization until that next crop, somebody in that next crop, you know, they, they separate themselves. I think it was going to be Diego Cartaya. I think it still can be Diego Cartaya. But I think right now that's up for grabs. And until somebody does that, I think that guy is Hunter Fiducia.
Yeah, I, th I think you're absolutely right with that. Hunter Fiducia also has some pretty good plate discipline in here. I mean, he's able to draw walks. He doesn't he doesn't strike out at an enormous rate last week. Austin, I know you have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so last season, it, he had a really good season last season. And also keep in mind when we're talking about catchers, Hunter Fiducia is his catcher, which means he's got a really important other role that he has as far as commanding the pitching staff. So typically with catchers, their offensive production isn't quite um, isn't quite with the level of some of the other positions. So last year, Hunter Fiducia had a 106 WRC plus, which means he's six plus six percent better than the league average hitter, not the league average catcher, the Correct. league average hitter. That's an important distinction which is, to make. That is very important distinction to make. He hit 279, 387, 451 as far as the triple slash line. Uh, walked 15% of the time, which is very, very good. Only struck out 20%, per, 20 21% of the time, uh, which when you're combining both of those, those are both above league average. Not That's a huge home run hitter, so mind. the ISO wasn't outrageous. ISO wasn't outrageous, but it was still 172. ISO just meaning isolated power, just is a statistic to measure your power that you have when you hit. Uh, typically, and it varies by league, typically ISO is around 150. For the Pacific Coast League, I would imagine that's a little bit higher. So you're talking about maybe maybe around league average as far as the power production for him is concerned. Uh, so Hunter Fiducia kind of all around has been a really good hitter. And you look at his career consistently around the 100 WRC plus, which for a catcher again, and this is important distinction is above league average for a catcher. So, the offensive output is very, very good as far as the numbers have been concerned. Defensively, it's hard to figure out defensive numbers, especially when they're at the minor leagues. So a lot of that has to do with kind of what you see and what the organization is kind of measuring, which a lot of that information doesn't become public. Yep. Here you can see right here. I like backing this up. I showed this the other night, but look at this swing. Look at his head. Never move. Watch his head. See that triangle that you create whenever – so this is this is the load stage, and so in the load stage, you walk your hands away from your body. I know that's the terminology we used to use, just meaning you're getting your hands to, to the back of the zone, right? Okay, and as you do that, you're putting your head right in the middle of this triangle. So here's the triangle right here. So as you're walking the hands back, the, the greatest hitters, they put their head right in the middle of their body, right in the middle of that triangle. Okay, and then watch. Okay, I'm going to back that up, and I'm going to pause that. Okay, watch his barrel come through here. Okay, load right there. See that launch position? Look how balanced he is. So when he actually starts, the hands are getting ready to start. So you put your head in the middle of that triangle, and when you actually launch the, the swing, launch the hands, you actually want that head right there about 60-40. You want about 60% of it on the back, 40% of it on the front. That's the exact perp, about 60-40 is exactly what you want to do to launch. Now look at that, Austin. Look at that swing. Is that not just sweet? I mean, look how flat the hands are. That's called palm up. See that palm up there? And there's palm down right there. The head, okay, so at this point, this is what I call zero-degree slot, meaning the barrel is exactly flat. This is exactly when you want that head slotted with that back hip, with that back knee. So if you draw a straight line through that the front of your back shoulder down your back hip, 
down straight through your back knee. You want that to make an exactly perfect straight line down to the ground. That tells you that your weight is perfectly centered. Now look at that. Look at that finish. You see the 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 the, the you know we said the the uh, hand up the the palm up palm down. Now you see that the you know you turn the barrel with that top hand and look how flat the barrel still is coming through contact. Look how the head is still slotted. I'm going to show you again. Look at that straight line where you have that actually that back shoulder comes and catches up. So you have that head, you have the 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 back you have the hip and then the back knee straight down in line. The head never leaves that that entire angle right there. I'm telling you boys and girls, that's why he hits fastballs at an elite level because absolutely nothing can go wrong with that swing. That is the absolute sweetest swing that you could possibly watch now it's not necessarily an upward plane where he's going to hit 25 30 home runs but i just hope the dodgers never mess with it because that's a sweet swing yeah it is a sweet swing and that was some really really good analysis right there breaking down his swing he he is a really good hitter and he has consistently proven that he can handle the bat um so it's going to be it's going to be really cool to see what he's going to be able to do in the opportunities that he is going to be provided. You've had an opportunity to see it consistently over the past couple of seasons in I mean, Oklahoma City and Tulsa. <laughs> oh, it's super sweet. Yeah. 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 I didn't mean to cut you off there. I get excited whenever I start watching hitting videos, though. I apologize <laughs> if I was talking on top of you there. Yeah. But okay. So there's his, his arm. Okay. I mean, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not Pudge Rodriguez. It's, I mean, he's not, you know, I, I don't know what his pop time is, actually. I, I've, I've actually never, I, matter of fact, I'm going to talk to Alex Friedman on Sunday, and I'm going to talk to him all about the AAA Oklahoma City team. Alex Friedman is the play-by-play voice of the AAA Oklahoma City Dodgers, and I'm going to talk, there's Andre Jackson, I'm going to talk to him all about the Oklahoma City team this year, and one of the questions I'm going to ask is, what is Hunter Fiducia's pop time, if he's ever seen it? Because I don't know. I, I've actually, I, I, you know, the, the AAA level is different, like, than the high A level, you know, and AA is kind of in between. By the time they get to AAA Oklahoma City, it's a major league, it's a major league setting. You know, it's, there's, you're not really talking around and shooting the, I mean, they're getting their work done. They're, they're acting like professionals. So you don't really have time to sit around and chit chat. And I'm not one, you know, hey, that's their work environment. So when they're working, I'm not one that likes to even, you know, ask them to, to stop and say anything because they are so busy that, you know, if I, if I message them early on, you know, beforehand and, and they don't have anything going on that day, then yeah. But so I, I've never had the chance just to ask for Hunter, hey, what is your, your, your pop time? So I'm not exactly sure on that. But, yeah, super excited about Hunter Fiducia. Let's get into some more of the comments here. Okay, yes, yeah, so yeah, we're was... going to – huh? Do what? I was just about to mention, let's get let's dive into some of these comments. Yep. You want to do them? You want me to? Oh, I, it doesn't matter. You can go ahead and read some. Okay. So, all right, let's say it one more time at the top of this, I have our GoFundMe account linked. Uh, we do not have our super chats up and going yet. So if you'd like to donate 50 cents or a dollar or whatever you'd like to donate to help Dodgers daily, treat it like a super chat. We would appreciate anything. It, it that that you would like to donate and, and help Dodgers Daily with. Okay, so <clears throat> Sunday nights we're gonna go. Uh, it's gonna be I think five said five o'clock. It's gonna be five o'clock Pacific Sunday nights, six o'clock Pacific on Wednesday and Fridays. Okay, we have that out. 
of <clears throat> out of the way here. Okay, so I think Fiducia will be kept as depth. I think Barnes is here to stay until he's a free agent. I think they value all of his tools other than hitting. I would agree with that. You agree with that, Austin? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I think Barnes is here to stay. Yeah, no doubt about that. I just transitioned that back to us. So, okay, some more comments. Couple ex Dodgers, Chris Roller and Yair Camargo were added to the Guardians and Twins 40-man rosters. That's pretty cool. Yes, that is really cool. I think that's something that I mentioned back uh, a couple weeks ago as far as Chris Roller is concerned. Uh, back when I talked about both him and uh, DJ uh, Aldrich de Young, as far as some updates with them. Yeah, super excited for them. Aldrich de Young, I called him the lightning bolt. You know, he came straight from Rancho to Oklahoma City like in 2021. And I was like, who's this dude? And he got a hit, and like he got a triple or something. And he was like, wow, look at this dude run. So I I just remember like not knowing who he was. And then he had all this energy. And I was like, man, this dude's like a bolt of lightning. So I, call, I always called Aldrich the Young the lightning bolt. I thought he was cool to watch. So, yeah, okay. Daryl says, sorry, I'm late. Glad they added Hunter Fiducia to the roster. I'm also glad for Nick Frasso and Landon Knack being added to the roster as well. Which one do you want to dive into first? Oh, as far as the two pitchers yeah, are concerned? Yeah, you want concerned? to dive into Frasso? Yeah, let's dive into Frasso. Okay, how about it? Get, I know you got into some of his numbers. So you, you've got some really good numbers for Frasso. So dive into those. Oh, yeah. No. So Nick Frasso, somebody that we talked about the last time that both Casey and I were on a stream together about a week or so ago. Uh, yeah, no, he's he's been unreal ever since he came to the organization from Toronto and the Alex De Jesus trade. Uh, he's just run away with every single opportunity that he's been given uh, this past season. Uh, in 2023, he's ha he had the most opportunity or the most runway in double A. So that's kind of primarily where a lot of the focus is going to be. Had 21 appearances uh, versus four appearances in triple A. We can kind of mention those numbers kind of briefly. But in double A, where he got the most exposure, he took every single opportunity and ran with it. He had a 3.91 ERA. But some of the numbers that I kind of prefer, both FIP. In XFIP, yeah. he had a 3.11. and explain 3. those, Austin? To some yeah, I'll explain those in those. just a yeah. second. Yeah, so FIP and XFIP, he had a 3.11 and 3.67. So for FIP, FIP stands for Fielding Independent Pitching. So basically the idea of where FIP comes from is ERA is kind of dependent on some of the fielders around you. For example, if you don't have a really good defense, perhaps you will give up more runs than what you might be pitching to, or your defense just might not correspond to how well you've actually been pitching. So what FIP does, it really primarily takes the only things that you can control into account. It looks exclusively at strikeouts, walks and home runs that's all FIP is looking at and it's looking at uh as far as home runs per fly ball rate what it doesn't take into is exit, it doesn't take into account exit velo it does not take into account any of that it that's only it. takes into account those three variables because that's all the pitcher can control so that is FIP XFIP 
which is expected fielding and dependent pitching, basically has a theory that your home run, as far as the number of home runs that you give up or your home run percentage, kind of varies year to year, or it can vary. So what it does is both of these are more predictive statistics, especially XFIP. And so what it's doing is it's taking your home run rate, which might be above league average or below league average, and it's just setting it at the league average. So, for example, let's take let's take a couple of examples. So, uh, with Nick Frasso, for him, he didn't give up a lot of home runs in Double A. He had a home runs for nine point uh, four nine, which is a little bit below what the league average is. So. His FIP was 3.11. However, his XFIP, which all that does is replace his home runs per nine home run percentage for fly ball percentage, put it at the league average, it goes up a little bit to 3.67. There's different philosophies as far as whether FIP is better, whether XFIP is better as far as being more predictive statistics. I kind of fall somewhere in the middle. This is all kind of nerdy baseball stuff. All this to say, with his FIP and XFIP, they're both 3.11, 3.67. If you translate to that to an ERA, that's a pretty good ERA. And that's those numbers are more predictive as far as the future is concerned, indicating he's going to have future success. You talk about his strikeout and walk percentages, strikeout percentage about 30%, 7.5% for walk percentage. Uh, he doesn't give up a lot of... Ho- extra base hits as far as righties had i believe a 605 ops against right-handed hitters a lot of really good numbers for nick frasso i just posted a link to the the article that i wrote this morning about frasso landon knack and hunter fiducia went into detail with some of the numbers that you went over right there also linked i have features i've actually talked and interviewed nick frasso have a feature on him i didn't realize this but I've actually interviewed uh, Landon Act three different times. Once, uh, both two times at the stadium, then once over a Zoom type call. And then I've interviewed Hunter Fiducia twice so and written a feature on them. So I have features on all them, interviews, prospect features. We did a prospect feature last year on both Landon Knack and Nick Frasso. They are linked in that article as well. And I just put that, I just, all you got to do is click that link there in the lobby. Another reminder. Hey, our GoFundMe account is linked at the top. It is pinned there. Again, we are using that as our super chat tonight. If you'd like to donate 50 cents or a dollar, all every bit would it would be certainly appreciated uh, by Dodgers Daily, no doubt about it. Okay, so Barnes, you know, Austin Barnes, this has not been just, you know, Austin Barnes has been a great Dodger, no doubt about it. We say this every time about him. But this hasn't been just a last-year thing with him. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, that's been something that's been going on for a couple of years now. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into Landon Knack. Let's get into some of his numbers. Yeah, so Landon Knack, uh, he's one of those pitchers. We've talked about it again last time. uh, One of those guys who has been striving and working to get back to kind of the position that he has. And this past year was a really big year for him. And for him, he was able to be stellar and was able to just be dominant. Uh, So he's spent 
about half of his time in Tulsa, half of his time in Oklahoma City, the AA and AAA affiliates of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he had a lot of really good success in both of those uh, places. You're talking about ERA of 2.2 in Tulsa, ERA of 2.93 in Oklahoma City. You talk about in Tulsa where he spent a little bit more of his time uh, the biggest thing that stood out about those appearances is he had pretty modest as far as strikeouts. You're talking about uh, one strikeout per inning, a little bit more yeah, than he's that. Not a strikeout but guy. he's a he's a command no, he's guy. not. Yeah. But what he was able to do during those appearances, he was able to have a walk rate of about five and a half percent, which is elite and something that definitely was reflected in his. FIP and XFIP, you're talking about both in AA, uh, 2.93 and 3.97. Again, with him, you're talking about in the low to mid 600s as far as OPS against right-handed hitters throughout the course of the season. A uh, little Which bit towards the upper 600. doesn't give up home runs. That's a really good comment. Yes. Yes, you're talking about a guy who is able to get out and not give up a ton of power in those outings too, which is something that's been really important, has been a consistent pitcher for uh, the Dodgers minor league affiliates, both in Tulsa and Oklahoma City. Somebody who uh, probably towards the back as far as of the line, as far as guys on the 40 man, as far as the crop of right-handed pitchers receiving opportunities, um, I think that he should use that as motivation to he continue has. He, to strive. He mentioned that in our interview. He did. That oh, did yeah. motivate and he's him going... coming into last year. He felt like people had forgot about him. Yes, and I guarantee you he's going to use that as motivation this upcoming season, and he's going to work uh, He's going to work his butt off to try to get an opportunity with the Dodgers and prove why he should be getting opportunities over some of the other incredibly talented right-handed pitchers in the Dodgers organization. Yeah, so where would you slot him at a major league level, you think? Of course, it depends on as far your, as, your club. Yeah. Is he a back-end rotation guy, a front-end rotation guy? I think right now he's probably towards the back end. Um, I think you're talking about maybe a number four or five, just depending on kind of your roster. I think he has the ability to move up from that. Uh, but right now... I that's kind of where I slot him based on what I've seen. Obviously, he has the opportunity to prove me and everybody wrong with that. Yeah, no doubt. I I don't think I I don't think that will be a motivating factor for him. He just wants to make it to the major leagues and be done with it at that point. So let's talk about another guy. This is Kyle Hurt right here, and I'm I'm actually going to click to a different one. Okay, this is Kyle Hurt right here. This is another one of those guys. Now he obviously already was on the forty man. Thank goodness, so because he wasn't part of yeah. this this roster crunch. I was so worried about that, you know, you know about, about June to July. I was like, man, I so hope they put this guy on the forty man because he is so good and he is so explosive. I wanted to go to Kyle Hurt right after Landon Knack because it's almost like these two are the polar opposites. Landon Knack is that super four pitch command guy that isn't going to strike out a ton of guys, you know, but but is going to, to get a lot of outs, whereas Kyle Hurt is the guy that can get wild from time to time, 
okay but it's just massively explosive and when he has his command and he did a lot better job last year with his command when he's repeating his delivery and he has his command he strikes everybody out so i wanted to get to kyle yeah. Hurton and talk about him too yeah let, let's just let's just mention how good of a strikeout pitcher kyle hurt was last year because i don't think that it can be overstated i think you kind of yeah. maybe almost understated it yeah. with that uh and so with this you're talking about him we're gonna go with his appearances in the minor leagues last season he had one appearance in the major leagues with the dodgers um uh, which he, he had some strikeouts in that but let's go ahead and look at both tulsa and oklahoma city both larger sample sizes you're talking about one of the best strikeout pitchers in all of minor league baseball last season in double a where he had 20 something or 19 appearances last season um he had a strikeout percentage of 39.4 percent which is unreal you're talking about one of the best strikeout percentage and then he continued that in triple a with a 38.5 percent in his seven appearances there you're talking about a guy that gets an unreal amount of swinging miss with his stuff uh which shows in a lot of the fip and xfip number his xfip numbers are incredibly low because they love that ability to strike mm -hmm. guys out and this is something that the dodgers do consistently well throughout all of the minor leagues you look at a lot of their numbers they are well above the league average as far as their ability to get strikeouts to get swing and miss because this is something that they value and they see the that value being exemplified in a character or in that a person like kyle hurt golly oh yeah Man. Oh, yeah. No, he Kyle Hurd's got electric stuff, and hitters just don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. And Hey, am I the only one, when I see him, does he not just give up Roger Clemens vibes? Just the way he looks, just his mannerisms, his his delivery, and just the way, look at that change of, wow. That's Diego yeah. Cartaya catching, by the way. Does he not just kind of give off Roger Clemens vibes, Rocket? No? Am I the only one? You know, you know, if you're putting up 39, 38% strikeout percentages, I mean, I think you deserve to be in that conversation. I, I don't mean like he's going to be. We're not, we're not he kind of looks like him. I'm, yes, yes. I, I think you're exactly right. Obviously, we're not projecting Kyle Hurt to be Roger Clemens. Yeah. All we're just saying is he looks like he kind of fits that part. And with what he's been able to do, when he is able to have that command, he's been so incredibly dominant. Yeah, so I wanted to back it up to right here. This is his bullet slider. And the big part of this is, you know, he kind of went to that this last year. If you go to my last interview with him that I did, I believe it was in August, he mentioned that he's throwing a bullet slider. Here it is right there. See that pitch? Okay, now the big thing about that is he's able to locate it, and guess what he's able to do with that bullet slider because it doesn't have a ton of break to it? Guess what? He's able to control it, and that's been the key for him. You see the incredible changeup, you know, the fastball that's reached as high as 99. His stuff is dirty enough. He needed just kind of a smaller slider, that bullet slider that he calls it, that he could keep in the zone. And man, there's that there's that wipeout slider that, that has the depth to it. So you've seen the two different – you know, let me back that up again. You've seen the two different, of course, that one lands, but that one has the depth that that has the that goes down. So you saw the bullet slider, that's kind of the cutter-looking slider. Then you saw the depthy slider 
that he can get for swing and miss. There's the changeup that he, he brought back over the plate. That's kind of the Greg Maddox changeup, if you will. Watch this pitch right here. Watch where this thing starts, okay? If I can get it right, there. Okay, that pitch is probably what? Two to three baseballs off the plate at that point, and the left-handed hitter is spitting on that pitch at this point. Nope, strike. <laughs> that is just an um, you saw the bullet slider. You saw the, the incredible changeup where it, it tumbled. You saw him bring it back over the plate. And then you saw the, the slider with the depth. And then there's the four seam with the right up in the zone. Another four seam with the right up in the zone. There is Carson Taylor throwing down. He has gotten a lot better at that, by the way. Yeah, no, he most certainly has. Yeah, no, he's got the pitch mix. He's got the stuff. It's about being able to control it. Uh, being able to keep it in the zone, which he has made a lot of adjustments to kind of combat that. Uh, but I guess a good question for you will be as far as his role going forward on the major league level. We saw in Oklahoma City, we saw at the Dodgers, he came out of the bullpen quite a bit. Um obviously just had the one appearance in LA for Oklahoma City and AAA. He had uh, seven appearances. One was a starter. He has been a starter a lot throughout his minor league career. Do you envision him most likely as a bullpen piece, as a piggy, as a piggyback piece, which just means comes in kind of after the starter, kind of bridge that gap towards the back end of the bullpen, maybe go a couple of innings. What sort of sort of role do you envision him having potentially in, out in LA? Bulk inning. I mean, however you want to mm -hmm. define that. Bulk inning, whether he starts a game and goes five or six innings. Bulk inning, whether he's the piggyback and comes in the second inning because you're trying to, to get matchups better, you know, the first three outs of the game. Or bulk inning, whether it's a middle inning guy, you know, that comes in maybe in the fourth inning and bridges it to your, your closer. Or a bulk inning guy that, hey, you know, maybe your bullpen is taxed. You bring him in in the, in the fifth inning and you say, hey, here's the ball. We will talk to you next whenever the game is over. You know, so instead of looking at Kyle Hurt by, say, you know, wanting to give names to the roles, let's just call it a bulk inning guy. I think that simplifies what he's going to bring to the major league level. The Dodgers, again, did not put him on the 40-man roster because they didn't plan on pitching him next year, and I am so pumped about that yeah. because he just oh, was I, so elected. Yeah, yeah no, he's – incredibly electric incredibly dominant too and i think that is exactly right i don't think there's necessarily a role in set in in the case that uh he's going to pitch this inning or he's going to be a starter i think he either he's going to be kind of moving around a little bit i think because he has that ability to go innings he has that experience as a starter as a piggyback piece I think that's going to just lengthen out the bullpen and just going to be something that's going to be really important for the Dodgers this upcoming season I look forward to seeing him pitch in LA I was talking to a guy who played no oh, 10 years or so in the in professional baseball and then managed for another seven or eight I was talking to him at lunch today, and, and you know, we we're just that slider by River Ryan just a minute ago. That's Diego Cartaya. If you want to watch Diego Cartaya and how he receives, you know, there's that good little bullet slider for River Ryan. And, and we were talking about, you know, this being the hot stove part of the year, just protect the three guys for the 40-man and the Rule 5 draft. He remembered all that, you know, going through those emotions. And he just got to talking about, you know, we got to talking about Diego Cartaya and, 
in kind of his situation, not necessarily Diego. I didn't bring up Diego's name, but he was a catcher, and he caught, and he caught for many years in professional baseball. And he just explained that, you know, hey, your body doesn't feel very good. They're throwing at 96 miles an hour. You're 0 for 4. He goes, I just don't think that, you know, people who haven't played professional baseball at all, they just don't understand the amount of pressure that guys are under playing professional baseball. And he said, yeah, you go to a minor league game. I'm not talking about pressure. Hey, if you don't get a hit, you're going to lose the game. That's not what I'm talking about. The pressure is, hey, if, if I go 0 for 4 here and I open the door for another guy to play, this guy is so good that he might take my spot. He said, it's just every single day you wake up as a professional baseball player, you have that feeling that somebody is nipping at your heels and that if you're not at the top of your game, you are going to get replaced. And from that perspective, you know, professional baseball is extremely, extremely uh, pressure-filled. And, and, you know, just, I, just that conversation we had at lunch today when I saw Diego, that just perfectly reminded me of him. I just think that pressure mounted up on him. We talked about that last time out. But this is a good look at River Ryan. This is a guy, because he is not eligible for the Rule 5 draft yet, he's not getting talked about a whole lot because he's not a guy that the Dodgers had to protect this year. He's not a guy that had to go on the 40-man roster, but he did make it, you know, kind of a similar play to Nick Frasso. Made it up to AAA about the same time last year. Same type of stuff. And, hey, I talked to Robo, Justin Robleski. I think River Ryan's the best athlete in the entire system. This guy can windmill dunk. He was a tremendous two-way uh, player with the Padres and just a tremendous athlete. He has a huge fastball. You've already seen the slider. There's that four-seam up in the zone and uh, a good changeup. So, River Ryan, wanted to talk about him too. Yeah, no, River Ryan is part of that crop. If he would have been eligible to be selected in the Rule 5 draft, I think the Dodgers would have taken and probably would have protected him as well because he's somebody that's incredibly talented Definitely as they well. Would they would have had to, yeah. Absolutely. Came over in the trade from the Padres back a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's run with the uh, with the opportunities that he's had within the Dodgers organization. You're talking about another guy who has really electric stuff, especially in his appearances in 2022, showed a lot of that swing and miss strikeout stuff. Uh, spent a lot of his time this past season in Tulsa. Uh, had some really good success there. Had a 3.33 ERA over there. Wasn't able to get quite as many strikeouts as probably he would have liked or what he had shown in the past. Uh, so some of the FIP and XFIP numbers are a little bit higher in the a little bit more in the fours. I think you're going to see him as he continues to get. Uh, adapted to some of the upper levels of the minor leagues, continue to rack up strikeouts. And I think he's going to continue to find that success because, I mean, you look at some of the stuff that he's showing right here in the start, he has some really dominant electric stuff. And some and I've had the privilege to be able to watch him at least one time that I can remember. And he he's really good. Yeah, no. And here's his AAA. This is actually video of his AAA debut right here. So if you want to see the first, that's his first pitch ever in AAA baseball. So that's kind of exciting to watch there. And another thing about him is 
His brother, Reed Ryan, I believe is still with the Mariners, made it up to AAA. I think he actually got a cup of coffee in the major leagues this past season. Don't quote me on that. His dad was a professional baseball player. His uncle was a professional baseball player. Brother went to the University of North Carolina. He was going to the University of North Carolina, most likely, but actually broke his back as, I believe, a junior in high school. And because of that, you know, the, the colleges, they kind of backed off and he ended up at UNC Pembroke, something of which he's very glad he did because I think they're Division Two. Don't quote me on that either. My, my Dodgers dogs in the background, they're having a heck of a good time. I think they're playing hide-and-seek right now. So you might have to deal with, with a little bit of that. But so he breaks his back. He ends up at UNC Pembroke where he's like the best two-way player. <laughs> he's like the two, best two-way player in, in all the United States. He gets drafted by the Padres. He's a two-way player with them. And then if you remember, the Dodgers traded Matt Beatty to the Padres for River Ryan. And when he got to the Dodgers, they transitioned him to pitcher only. Something of which, I this is my opinion, my opinion only. Okay, I don't have any inside information on this. I think if you threw a true, true serum in him, I think he, he would like to continue to, to be a two-way guy. But... You know, hey, whatever the Dodgers need out of him, whatever you, whenever you talk to this guy, when you're around him, it is all about making the major leagues. Get to the major leagues. This guy thinks like a major leaguer. He acts like a major leaguer. He is viewing his time in the minor leagues as a holding pattern. You know, some of these guys, you see it, Austin. You saw it with the Loons last year. They're enjoying the team part. Not that he doesn't enjoy it, too. But, I mean, like they're enjoying the moment. This guy – his entire goal is to get through the minor league system, get to the major leagues. That's how he thinks. Yes, and he is going to make the major leagues at some point, whether that opportunity Knock on wood, comes... injury notwithstanding, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. And, yeah, he's got all of the talent to be able to do so. Uh, excited to see what he's going to continue to do. Going to get a lot of experience, probably a lot of growth, assuming – in AAA, Oklahoma City, be able to continue to adapt to the upper levels of the minor leagues. And then he's just a phone call away from the major leagues. So we'll have to see what happens with him. Definitely very excited with the talent that he has. But should we get into some comments right now? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, down let's in the do comment section. Uh, there's quite a bit going right now. So uh, we'll go ahead and start with uh, Yasiel Puig, which thank you again for joining us. Uh, which Rule 5 Dodger is most likely to be selected and by who? So I'm going to leave out the and by who just because I think it is a little bit difficult to predict. But of the guys who weren't protected from the Rule 5 draft, which guy do you see as the most likely to be taken by another team? I don't think there – last year it was obvious it was going to be a Ryan Noda. I would think it would be – one of the Alec Gamboa, Mark Washington, John Rooney, or Jose Ramos. I think it would be – so if there's if it would be pitcher first, I think it would be one of those three. If it's position player, I think it would be Jose Ramos. Yeah, I, I would agree. If you're looking at a guy who has kind of like the upside and tools-wise, especially for perhaps a team that is trying to rebuild – Perhaps a team takes a chance on a Jose Ramos just because he's got the tools. If you're looking for an ad, a reliever, you, they have a crop of relievers as well that you can go ahead and choose from. Um, and then also as 
is pointed out, uh, Kendall Williams is another guy to potentially keep an eye on for that. Uh, So don't watch out for him. As Sean says, my real five draft guest is Kendall Williams. And I like a team like the Phillies or Brewers to make him a relief pitcher. Uh, and with that, I mean, Kendall Williams would take that opportunity and he would run with it. I really like what Kendall Williams is able to bring with that. That wouldn't surprise me if he was one of the first ones. It wouldn't surprise me if he didn't get, I mean, this is a, this is a very difficult year to read. I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if it went anywhere from zero to, you know, rule five, typically speaking that it, it's not a major player as far as the way that organizations like to fill the roster out. Because the thing about Rule 5 guys, you immediately have to put them on your 26-man roster. You have to give up $100,000. And those guys have to stay on your roster for the, the 26, not the 40-man. Those guys have to stay on your on your 26-man roster the entire next season. So it is a big commitment to go and get a Kendall Williams-type guy who uh, – Kendall made it to, up to AAA one outing, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He one had out. one appearance up in AAA. Yeah. That that's, that's, that's a big leap of faith to take a guy who basically is still a double a guy. And he didn't really, do you have his numbers in front of you, Austin? I can look them up really yeah, quick. He didn't really get a tremendous amount of necessarily double a outings before he got moved up to AAA. The AAA move was yeah. more out of necessity. Yeah. And, and, I mean, you're talking about him. He started off the season on the injured list and yep. he only made it back to uh, Great Lakes partway through the season as well. So we had seven appearances at Great Lakes, eight at double A, and then he had the one appearance up at triple A. So not a ton of experience as far as the upper levels of the minor leagues are concerned. One of the things that you have to be thinking about, especially with these organizations, is their pitching depth. If if teams look for a or trying to find some sort of avenue to acquire some sort of pitching depth. I think that's when an opportunity for a guy like a Kendall Williams, especially for teams that might not be looking to compete next season. I think an opportunity like that could open up for him. You're talking about a guy last year. He had a 199 ERA in great lakes, mm-hmm. both in the mid threes, as far as FIP and XFIP. Double A, he had eight appearances, had an ERA just under four, uh, around that for his FIP as well. Uh, You're talking about also a guy that had some experience this past season or just a couple weeks ago, I should say, in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, I know one of the weeks he he had a really good week. Not an overwhelming as far as his strikeout numbers are concerned. He's not a guy who's not going to overwhelm you. And his, yeah, his velo isn't necessarily overwhelming. So he's going to be looking to kind of get hitters to not barrel it up. Uh, Still a pitcher that I'm, yeah, that split finger is going to be something that's going to be very difficult for hitters to pick up on. He's going to be able to get plenty of ground balls and kind of rely on that defense behind him to help him out as well so he's got some incredible talent he's got a lot of really good stuff i wouldn't predict other teams to pick him up although with the rule five draft it is incredibly difficult to predict who are some of the guys that other organizations value kendall williams you going under i would expect 50% him- or over 50 percent 
as far as rule five draft yeah i would say under 50 percent only because um it's very difficult to predict and typically you're talking about 15 to 20 guys in all of minor league baseball who are getting selected in that rule five draft annually so it's not a ton of guys that gets selected he potentially could get selected and in which case that would be amazing for kendall williams mm-hmm. uh i wouldn't expect it at this moment though so if i was another let me put you this way i i you know of course i don't know what other teams needs are and all that kind of stuff just n- knowing what i see out of the, the dodgers minor league guys that are available to be drafted in the rule five draft the the number one guy that i would take that i would take would be alec gamboa and the reason is the guy could the guy has the chance as long as the ball is in the strike zone to be a guy that that that's a left-handed reliever at the back of of your bullpen that's throwing 97 98 with with good adrenaline. I've seen it with my own eyes when he was in front of his family in Sacramento. I believe it was like in August, he hit 99 miles an hour. Alec Gamboa right here. Now this the thing about him is is that he's there's my Dodgers dogs again. He's not always in the strikes. Hey Vivian, he's not always in the strike zone, right? So sometimes he, he loses command in and out. So that would work. But the the thing that I think makes him very attractive, obviously he's obviously he's left-handed. He's extremely extremely competitive with his wrestling background, and then also he has a. I mean he's he has a ton. He has a ton of high level minor league experience both at the triple a and double a level give me one second i'm gonna deal go deal with this go ahead and talk about alec gamboa yeah no alec gamboa definitely one of those guys to keep in mind as far as guys who could be selected this is a guy who we've talked about in past shows has incredible heart and incredible competitiveness to him and especially when you're talking about the Rule 5 draft, you're looking for some of those tools that you could potentially work with or some of those guys that you could potentially slot in. Relief pitchers are often guys that are taken in the Rule 5 draft, especially relief arms with high velocity or really good stuff that you could potentially work with. Think of a guy like Jose Hernandez who got selected by the Pittsburgh That's Pirates. That's exactly what I was, was thinking. Part- I think he could be the duplicate of that. Yes, and he was Jose Hernandez. If you're not, if you don't know, was part of the Los Angeles Dodgers organization at this time last year. Was not protected from the Rule Five draft. Gets selected, I believe, third overall in that Rule Five draft by the Pirates, if not somewhere in that range. And he was able to take his electric stuff from the left-handed side and be able to dominate. I think you're looking at a guy like an Alec Gamboa who has some of that electric stuff, still working on some of the control issues that he has. You could be able to take a chance on that if you are another organization, uh, whether you are competing or not, and then see what happens uh, with all of these organizations. If it doesn't work out, they can be returned back to the Dodgers mm-hmm. organization. Uh, so with Alec Gamboa, I think he's right up there as far as guys to watch. Uh, I think you're looking at a guy like a John Rooney, who is the other left-handed reliever mm-hmm. in that mix to potentially keep an eye out for Jose Ramos. Uh, those would be Mark, some of uh, the Mark guys. Mark Washington that would, would be another one. I believe Mark Washington actually yeah, was part of the yeah. 
free yeah, agent right. class, which was one of the comments from uh, Frankie G. Thanks for pointing that out. I had to double check with that. But yes, I believe he's a free agent right now. And then uh, Yasiel Puig says, my long shot is John Rooney, yeah. left-handed reliever with a yeah. great pickoff move. And we know that Yasiel Puig's been watching the show quite a bit because we've been saying that for quite some time. Yeah. Picked off Jose Altuve. Yes, yeah, which I think we talked about in the last on show. one of our shows. But yeah. uh, if I can get back to, let me. Uh, okay, so one of the questions was, what do you think about Michael Brantley? I am 100% completely, totally and entirely out on Michael Brantley. Okay, I, I am, if you go get veterans, if you go get the David Peraltas, go get elite veterans. Either go get an elite veteran or use Johnny DeLuca. Go get an elite veteran or throw Drew Avins or Ryan Ward or Jose Ramos or somebody like that out there. Michael Brantley, you know, this is the David Peralta effect for me, okay? Yes, he's going to come up with some hits. He's probably going to hit 260, 265, something like that. But the OPS is hovering around 700, which means he's not hitting a whole lot of home runs, two home runs last year, and zero stolen bases. So he's going to come up with some base hits, yes, they're not going to matter, and they're not going to play any kind of impact towards the Dodgers. When I say impact, in my opinion, I'm talking about impact towards getting that team over the hump to winning a World Series. So when you talk about a Michael Brantley, I am much, much, much more in tune with just using your farm system and bringing up the guys you have. Yeah, I think when you're talking about a guy like Michael Brandy, it comes down to what you want to do, which is something that you highlighted right there. Is a guy like a Michael Brandy going to push the needle or be significantly better than some of the guys that you have below him? And will it be worth it to forfeit some of the opportunities? Look, Michael Brantley throughout his career has been an extremely professional and very good hitter. He's somebody who has really good command of the zone, does not strike out a lot at all if you look over the course of his career. Mm -hmm. A couple things that really concern me, not just with the organizational philosophy and the organizational depth, uh, one has to do with his lack of ability to play in the field a yeah. whole lot because he's getting up there in age. He's kind of relegated to maybe a corner outfield every once in a while, most of the time DH. Right now, I don't believe the Dodgers are necessarily looking at that. Uh, if you're talking about the DH position, obviously we know about potential pursuit of a certain free agent or potentially utilizing that for a guy like Max Muncy. I don't think Michael Brantley necessarily fits into the equation. I think he's a very good, I think he's a very professional hitter who would fit in. However, if I was running it, I would prefer to give those opportunities for some guys that I think could grow and would be there for the long term, especially because Michael Brantley kind of getting towards the downward stretch of his career on the wrong side of the aging curve. I think those are definitely some concerns that I have with him being brought in i don't think he would necessarily cost a whole lot but i think his cost would be the opportunities that you give guys like yep. johnny deluca or cost. some other guys yes i think i think you know when you think only major league i think you, when i think you said it perfectly there you think oh he'd be cheap well no he's not cheap because he's taking away valuable the the, the expense there you said it perfect i can't say it any better 
the expense isn't the money you're spending. Money doesn't matter to the Dodgers anyways. I mean, they have more money than they – they have enough money to do whatever they need to. I'll put it to you that way. Okay, the expense is, you know, Michael Bush. The expense is Miguel Vargas. The expense is Johnny DeLuca. The expense is James Outman. You know, Ryan Ward, Drew Avens. The expense is all these guys that, hey, you need to figure out what you're going to do with them. And is he really going to be that much better than those guys would be? Yeah, no, I think that's right. The The only thing that you would have is David is Peralta maybe, really way better last year than Johnny DeLuca would have been? I don't believe so. No, if you look at the full season for what David Peralta was able to give – uh, had some a little bit of regression last season. So the value that he had um, wasn't really overwhelming at all, especially so are you when in you a better position right now, year. considering you did not win a playoff game. Are you in a better position as an organization if Johnny DeLuca got every one of David Peralta's bats last year? You would have had been in better position because then you would have had a better idea of who of Johnny DeLuca is at a, as a player. And he could that be was the cost part of, of going the to get David Peralta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the cost with being able to get a lot of these free agents. So, again, it's the offseason. I get the urge for a lot of Dodgers to want to have something to talk about, want to have some sort of news or some sort of splash to where you know some sort of guy from some other organization. Sometimes the best answer is potentially to wait or allow the talent that you have in the farm system to be able to come in and get those opportunities, especially yeah. since you know that you have the talent to win a lot of games in the regular season uh, to the point where, man, you want to give a lot of these younger guys opportunities. I think that is something that needs to be of emphasis for the Dodgers as opposed to bringing in one-year guys, in which case you're missing out on a lot of talent that comes up through the farm system. Mm-hmm. It is the Dodgers. I think we both understand kind of how they operate and they have a lot of amazing, incredibly talented people running in the front office. Uh, And so they're going to make the decision that they think is best for them. However, I think it's important to keep in mind that they are really good at developing players too. And we'd like to see those guys get opportunities for them. Yeah, no doubt. And Hey, again, if you can go get a guy that you think truly moves the needle towards a major league, you know, world championship, by all means, go get them. By all means, if you think you can go get a guy that truly moves that needle, that then makes it worth it to to stunt these guys' growth. You know, because right now, the Dodgers have way more prospects than they could ever give playing time towards. So you either need to trade some of them or you got to go and quit and get in the veterans and start playing some of them. You can't do both. You can't hold yeah. on to him and then go get David Peralta and then not play him like you've done a Michael Bush. Yeah. You can't yeah. do it no. both ways. You got to have no, one I or d- the other. I don't want a lot of these guys who could be getting opportunities at the big league level to have their careers kind of go by in Oklahoma City. I'm sure fans Oklahoma City would love to see these guys play. Not I'd for rather these guys get that's going to hit. One home run, steal no bases, and hit 260. Not for that guy. That's what I'm yes. saying. Yeah. No, I'd rather these guys get opportunities and be able to be where they're supposed to be for Michael Bush to be at the major league level because he's proven that he's too good for the AAA level. Let's see what he can do at the major league level. That's the same case for a lot of these guys. 
Well, what do you think is going to happen with Gavin Stone and I think I'm going to get some to some video here. Gavin Stone and Michael Grove. Yeah, no, I think that's a I think that's a really good question because I think that goes to kind of I, that, that brings up a couple of questions. One, let's just assume that they are both on the Dodgers next season, which is of question depending on what you think the Dodgers are going to do to address some of the especially upper levels of their starting rotation. So let's assume that both of these guys are in the Dodgers organization next season. I think for a guy like a Michael Rove, I think you're going to see him continue to be in the role that he has, where he has been a fairly important bullpen piece, uh, especially you saw him be able to grow in that role. Uh, with a guy like Gavin Stone, I think he's going to continue to develop kind of as a starter. I think he's going to be part of that crop, uh, trying to compete for some sort of spot in the rotation. Again, this is assuming that he's going to be part, still part of the organization. Um, I think he's going to be in there competing, and I think next year is going to be a big year for Gavin, too. We saw how good he was in 2022. Last season, we saw him go through some of those struggles that a lot of minor league players have. Uh, so I think he's going to continue to work on his development. I think he, if he's part of the Dodgers organization, is going to get opportunities at the big league level to continue to prove himself. We know you need more than five starting pitchers through the course of the season. Um, right now, I don't necessarily know if he's on the opening day starters for the Dodgers. I think there's it's going to no. be fierce competition uh, for that, and especially because the Dodgers are likely to add a starter or two. I think that's going to be hard for him to start out in the big leagues unless he shows tremendous growth in the offseason. I think it would be a big upset, and I love Gavin Stone. Don't get me wrong. Yes. I don't mean this. To be negative anyway. Anyway, I just think, I think when you look at Bobby Miller, Ryan Pepio, and then you know if they bring back Clayton Kershaw, and I, th I think they're going to go out and get a starter like you. I just think Gavin Stone. I don't think it's necessarily an upset to say that he's going to have a, a, a impact on the pitching staff itself, but just to say that he's going to be one of the five starters to start the season. I couldn't foresee that happening. You know, hey, he might no. be – He might. He, his first outing might be a start, but I don't think it's necessarily the plans to make him one of the five starters. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes That's a lot of sense. That's not being negative, is it? No, no. And, and I think we kind of emphasize that he has a tremendous amount of talent. I don't mm -hmm. think it can be understated how good Gavin Stone was in 2022. You're talking about a guy who – was probably one of, if not the best pitcher in all of minor league baseball in 2022. The talent is so very clearly there, yet last season it just wasn't able to translate. There was some stuff that he was working on, uh, trying, to, trying to work through a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I think he has the talent to do that. Right now, he is not first in line for that though I think he's gonna have to work and compete I think his future probably still is as a starter as we've seen throughout the course of his minor league career he starts majority of his outings or potentially in a bulk inning role um 
it's just hard to see kind of what the next steps are going to be for Gavin Stone. I, you know, at, at UCA there when he was in college, his first role with them, you know what it was? What's that? Closer. I yeah. don't think he has any issues whatsoever. I, he's another one of those guys like, you know, hey, just just like a just put me on a major league roster and whatever. I don't care. Yeah. You know, he, so he he loves the adrenaline of being a closer. He also was the Friday night starter there, and he threw a no hitter in his last performance with them in 2020. So he has high level experience and very recent high level experience in both roles. Matter of fact, if you go back to to my first interview I had with him a couple of years ago. You know, one of the questions I asked him was, do you foresee yourself as a reliever or a starter? And his response was, I don't care. You know, so <laughs> I think, you know, Dodgers fans are, are think of him as a starter because that's what he's been because he got so hot in 2022. Actually, the end of 2021, then 2022. Yes. The end of 2021, he was just simply dynamite, fantastic. That's oh, yeah. why nobody that, that saw the end of his season there in 2021 – was in any way, shape, or form surprised what he did in 2022. Uh, you know, so we think of him now as a starter because because from that point on, then 2022, then last year, he's kind of been a starter. But he does have lots and lots of experience coming out of the pen. And I think that him and Michael Grove both, I think that's more than likely their futures yeah, in the Dodgers I, organization. In And I think that's right. In the Dodgers organization, I think it's tough to see, especially with the necessity to add a top-level starting pitcher for the Dodgers. We see a lot of rumors right now them being in on a lot of those high-end starting pitchers. Uh, and I'm sure there are conversations or will be conversations about potential guys on the trade market as well. So, with that, there has to be some flexibility with yes, a lot of these correct. guys as far as their role is concerned. Exactly right, Austin. With, with Gavin, I'm sure that any role that he would be presented, he would be all in for because all he wants to do is be able to compete and pitch at the highest level possible, that being Major League Baseball, that being with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Somebody that I've had the opportunity to see his stuff from right behind home plate in 30 degree weather in West Michigan back in 2022, yeah. back when they were competing for a playoff spot in 2021, when Gavin Stone was doing some amazing electric things, being able to see that change up in person. He's got the stuff. And if he is put in some of those shorter inning roles, similar to what a Michael Grove has been transitioned to, I think he could excel at that. And I think he could gear back and just let the stuff that he has really be able to dominate i hope everybody caught what you just said there because you just absolutely 100 percent, completely totally entirely nailed my point on gavin stone and that is if the dodgers go out and get pitching big time pitching elite pitching is it going to be in the starting ranks or is it going to be in the bullpen it's going to be in the starting ranks no doubt so what does that do to a gavin stone that limits his opportunity Correct. to be a starter. Correct. That that's my whole point with him and and, and Michael Grove, Kyle Hurt, and those guys. You know, hey, we all. I've how, how long have I been saying now? We all want the Dodgers to go out and get an elite starting pitcher. Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what that does is that gives you flexibility with Kyle Hurt. That gives you flexibility with Gavin Stone. 
It gives you flexibility with Michael Grove that we're going to talk about right now. You know, and those kind of guys. And those are guys, imagine, imagine having three guys in Gavin Stone, Michael Grove, Kyle Hurt, you know, and, and you know, uh, Gavin Stone's hit 98 miles an hour before in his career. Michael Grove was consistently topping at 98 last year. We saw it on the radar gun. Kyle Hurt has hit 99. Okay, and then when Michael Grove added that cutter to, to go against lefties, that's three pretty damn good young arms to be guys that can be be bulk inning guys, be relief guys, that you build a pretty damn good bullpen around, right? Especially yeah. if you go out and you get an elite an elite starter, man. That's that's a pretty exciting thing to think about for me. Yeah, no, that is those arms that you have in the bullpen with that electric, electric velocity. Um, just being able to compound that, just have guy after guy after guy, day after day, be able to go out there and throw with that kind of heat. There's going to be some teams that that just overwhelms them. So with all of three of these guys, if their future is out of the bullpen, I think they would see that as a very clear opportunity for them to be able to compete. And I think they would run with those opportunities. I think all three of these guys would. Necron, good evening. Hey, wanted to remind you one more time, or not just one more time, but hey, if you see the top of this chat, at the top, I've actually pinned our GoFundMe account. We don't have our Super Chat working. So, hey, if you'd like to donate 50 cents or a dollar or whatever, that we would super appreciate that. I would actually like to send Austin some money his way up Michigan way because, you know, he has just meant so much to Dodgers daily, and I'd like to be able to reward him in some way as far as that goes. So if you'd like to help don't to help Dodgers daily by donating, we have the link pinned at the top to our GoFundMe account. It's all the same. I looked into PayPal. I looked into, to, you know, the Super Chats. They all take about a third of it right off the top. So they're all the exact same as far as the percentages that they take out. So if, if you wouldn't mind, uh, you know, if you'd like to give a dollar or whatever, we would certainly appreciate that. So let's get back to some comments here, Austin. Where, where are we yeah. at here? Yeah, let's go ahead. I'll try to see if we can have some good comments right here. So let's go ahead and go back up. Uh, I'll go back to a comment that was put in the chat a little bit earlier. Uh, we can kind of touch on this kind of briefly. Uh, Frankie G says, MLB ETA for Yorbit Vivas, or and does he get traded? So with Yorbit Vivas, I don't think any human being on earth right now, honestly, I don't think Andrew Friedman, I don't think there is a human being on earth. I'm trying to get to his video right here. I don't think anybody on earth can answer those questions. I really don't. I don't mean that to be a cop out. I, I just don't think the Dodgers, I don't think right now they have sat down long enough to say, okay, what's, what's, What's the ETA of Yorbit Vivas and, and and is he you know? I don't think I yeah. don't think anybody sat down about and, and talked about that. Yeah, I, I think I think with him, I mean, you saw him get a little bit of an appearance in AAA, so I think next season he's likely to start out 
at Oklahoma City, which with that being that's one stop away from the major league level, one injury potentially away. Sure. He is on the 40 man roster, so he does have that advantage over some other guys. And he has some really good ab- ability to control the strike zone, be able to hit for some modest power with how well he's able to control the strike zone, able to move around for to different positions. So with that, I think you could potentially see him depending on how Oklahoma city goes next season, potentially get an opportunity next season. I think it kind of just varies for him. I think, well, as far as the ETA goes, I think there's probably a 70, 80% chance that he ETAs next year with, with the, the big club. And, and that's because, Hey, this is the second, this would be his third year on the, on the, on the 40 man roster. He did get triple a time last year. Hey, he, he did a great job stealing bases, so he brings a, yeah. a certain bit of, of, of dynamics to, to your offense. I think, you know, he got a lot better at second base. He worked out with Colton Wong, and, and he kind of got all those those reps in. And also, you're going to have injuries. I mean, Mookie Betts is probably going to be out for a while, and we don't even really know who the starting second baseman is going to be at this point. And this guy's really good. So I would probably yeah. give a 70 75% chance at a – at a ETA for your bet Bebos next year. The part I was talking about more so as far as the trade thing goes, I don't think the Dodgers have really sat down and thought, okay, is your bet Bebos our everyday second baseman for the next 10 years? Or is he the guy that we trade to go get an elite starting pitcher? I don't think they've made their mind up on that yet. That's a great yeah. question. Yeah, no, that definitely is a really good question. Obviously, we don't have any insight as far as what the Dodgers are planning on doing with any of these people are concerned. We just kind of or have a little bit uh, just being able to watch a lot of the organization and being able to uh, watch a lot of the minor league affiliates a lot. Uh, we just know how talented Jorvik Vivas is. We want to see him get an opportunity at some point, whether that's with the Dodgers or another organization. We know... Uh, 40-man roster is kind of crunched down. He does occupy one of those roles. If they don't envision him getting an opportunity in the near future, I think that's when he could potentially be part of some sort of trade package just to to figure up some spot. He'll have to be because they're not going to DFA this guy. They already DFA'd Eddie's Leonard, and I was wrong on that. But they will not DFA Yorbit Bivas. I just don't see any way, shape, or form that happens. So you either play him, either becomes a factor in your lineup, or you trade him. Those are the only two choices with him, my opinion. Yep. Giving him away in a DFA situation is just not something I don't. I just don't see any way, shape, or form that happens ever. I don't see that happening. But it would be kind of cool to see both him and uh, Eddie Slaynard get together yeah, again in Tigers uniforms. That would be kind of cool. But you know, they were best uh, friends. I'm, I'm sorry, Austin. Yeah. No, go ahead. They were best friends. They signed together. They came up together. And, you yeah. know, it, was, it reminds me of, of uh, my Uncle Ray got a couple of, of bulls about 10 years ago. And we called them Mike and Ike. And, of course, you can only have one bull in a pasture, right? Otherwise, they're going to just tear up everything you got. They're going to fight the, the entire time they're together. So, after a couple of these Mike and Ike, they had been bred together. They had they were They were just best friends. And so then we actually had to separate them and we had to send Ike off. And I, man, for like a week, I mean, Mike was just, I mean, he's a cow and he's just like, man, where's my buddy at? So, you know, whenever they, every time I see Eddie's and, and your bit, I think about, you know, 
how difficult that must have been for Yorbit Vivas to lose Eddie's Leonard in that scenario because they were just such great friends. They had developed yeah. such great chemistry. And, you know, but you got to move on, obviously. And, and, and Eddie's Leonard, I think, went to a better situation for him. He actually oh, he, thrived very well. So oh, it's all yes. good for everybody now. Yes, no, it very much is. Hope to see Jorvid Vivas, whether that's with the Dodgers or another organization, get an opportunity to succeed. Because we saw when Eddie's Leonard left the organization and got a little bit of an opportunity at the AAA level, has a little bit more of a clear window as far as reaching the major leagues with Detroit. He was able to run with that opportunity. So uh, definitely excited for him and excited for the future that Jorvid Vivas has. Yeah, there he is right there. Give us some more comments, Austin. Yeah, no, Yorbit Vivas. We talked about him previously. It's it's his ability to control the strike yeah. zone. He is able to draw an above average amount of walks and is so well below league average as far as his strikeout Strike ability. Yeah. You're talking about 11, 12 percent strikeouts. You know, strikeouts. the more I Off- think about him, you know, because he's the type that you have to see every day to appreciate. I mean, he can yes. blow your doors down. Don't get me wrong, but. He's more of that, you know, after six, after two or three months, you go, man, this dude's just damn good. That that type and, of just a cumulative factor. And the more you give me those stats, and I'm just the more I, I realize this guy's really damn good, man. Oh, I know. Yeah, and he's somebody that has been an everyday player. I think we often envision yeah. when you're talking about a guy like Yorbit Vivas potentially being that utility-type role because of his positional versatility. But when he's able to play every day, he is able to thrive in those roles. It's not just about that. He's also able to hit with a decent amount of power, too. You're talking about something that we – talk about quite a bit that ISO being greater than your strikeout percentage. Basically all that means is you're hitting for power to overcompensate for the amount that you strike out for a guy like Yorbit Vivas, who doesn't strike out a lot. He still is able to hit for some power in uh, great lakes in 2022. He hit 10 home runs in 2023 for double a, he hit 12 home runs. You talked about last season, his ability to, steal bases which is a new element that he's added to his game you talk about wrc plus yeah struggled a little bit once he reached uh triple a but as far as the rest of the course of his minor leagues consistently around or above 120 wrc plus meaning he's 20 percent better than the league average hitter you're talking about somebody who's still Mm -hmm. only 22 years old he's got an incredible upside. There's a reason why the Dodgers added both him and Eddie's Leonard to the roster following the 2021 season when they were still at the lower levels of the minor leagues because they see the upside that they saw the upside that both of well, these. Well, they thought that rule five was going to happen, and they're a little bit older, and it didn't happen. <laughs> yes, yeah, that yeah. that was a cost of yeah. the. Uh, yeah. what went on during the 2021 2022 yeah. offseason with the strike um i think that was something that if you had to do it all over again or knew that that was going to happen they wouldn't have been added at that point right. would have been added the next season though because these guys are incredibly yeah. talented and have been incredibly consistent throughout the course of their season course of their career random thank you for joining he's had some wonderful comments here got to give credit for peralta for his impact in the clubhouse i don't doubt that I say this, yeah. though, I mean, Austin and I are around the, the culture of this. All of these guys are just such great culture guys. And, you know, yeah, 
I'm sure that he, he, he had some, you know, some mentorship with James Altman and some younger guys. So, yeah, got to give him credit for that, no doubt about that. The Namino, I love J.D. Martinez. He has a great year. But I don't think we should go after every old guy in the hopes that they may turn back the clock a little bit. Necron always has tremendous comments. Sam, I think, is the name here. I think the NL pitching is going to have tons of video on J.D. now. I see some digression. I could totally agree with that. Plus, he's a year older, and that absolutely yeah. matters. Okay, Frankie G, who always has awesome comments, agrees with Damino. Actually kind of tired of seeing us sign old guys. I, I, I'm i kind of in that. You know, I've, I've stated my opinion on that. Either go get elite veterans or play your, your, your prospects. Okay, Frankie G, uh, with incentives and a better arm than Peralta. The Damino, an extra chunk of meatloaf at dinner. Uh, if he plays well, yeah. <laughs> Charlie Dodger, by the way, Austin, you're from Michigan. Did you know that the Dodgers got their name from actually Charlie Dodging in New York City? I did not know that. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. There were so many, so many people actually Brooklyn, so many people in Brooklyn that got hit by trolleys that you had to dodge them as you crossed the street. So they called them trolley dodgers. They actually were called the trolley dodgers like in the early 1900s, and then just they they eliminated the trolley. Now they're the Dodgers. That's why they're the Dodgers. So, okay, there Random go. Hero Stone in a closing role is an interesting thought. Yeah, he has done that at high leverage situations. Necron, I believe Stone and Vargas will both contribute next year. I would totally agree with that. Charlie, I'd like to see Barnsey get into coaching and trade a C prospect safely. Yeah, I would, Barnsey definitely needs to go into coaching. Is Stone's change really better than Pepio's? Nobody's change up is better than Pepio's. Nobody's change up is better than Ryan Pepio's. The, the, the metrics to it, and now he's able to throw strikes with it. It's, it's maybe the best pitch of any pitch of anybody in the organization uh, I, as far as the, the metrics that go. I just got you to your goal. Thank you very much, Mike. That is so kind of you. I'm going to get off of your review boss here. Mike, thank you so much. And, by the way, Mike, we're going to start having you on some of these these lives, too. I know you, you, you're a residential catcher. You know a wonderful amount of baseball. You have a lot of holes that, that fill as far as I don't with these international guys. So we're going to add you to the team here. We're going to get you on. Matter of getting time. DJ Jesse, good evening. I believe Mookie will play his majority of time at second base. I am all for that random. You're making decisions, and you have the chance to land a front-end starting pitcher, Burns or Glass now, but you have to include DePaul in the trade. Do you make it? I don't even blink. I that would not even that would not even come close to phasing me, giving up Josue DePaula. Great player, I'm sure. He's still at the at the single A level. He's not hitting a whole lot of home runs yet in his career. You still literally have no idea what Josue DePaula is going to be. If you can go get a glass now, okay, I'm going to say it again. If you can go get a veteran that moves the needle towards winning a world championship, short of giving up guys that, that are going to help you win that championship this year, like Bobby Miller, Pepio, Emmett Sheehan, those kind of guys, you just you don't even blink, you do it. No yeah, doubt about no, it. I, th I think you're right with that. As much in that scenario, as much as I want to see Josue De Paula help the – Great Lakes Loons, which is the teams that I follow, help them uh, win some games. I think if you, you're presented with an opportunity to get a frontline starting pitcher, I think that's when you have to very seriously consider that because that is such a need for the Los Angeles Dodgers right now. Uh, they have to get somebody who's going to be at the front end that has elite stuff. Both of the guys mentioned right there, very high on. We know Corbin Burns has been so incredibly consistent 
uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers as far as that ace level. Tyler Glass now has dealt with some injuries, so there is con- some concern with that. Does give up some hard contact, but the stuff that he has and a lot of the other numbers like FIP, like XFIP, and like Sierra skill-induced ERA, which is perhaps the best of them all, consistently have him as a, an elite starting pitcher. So both of those guys would be needle-moving guys into where you would consider giving up a guy with as much talent as a host way De Paula. Obviously, the Dodgers are going to try to keep as much talent as they can within their organization, within these talks. So I don't think it's a good bargaining tool to say, yep, let's go ahead and give them yeah, up and you right, want this guy as right, well. Exactly. But the Dodgers also have to be willing to have these talks in order to get those frontline starting pitchers, especially if you are looking you to give sign... Up something. <laughs> I mean, it, it's going it, to hurt. It's going to yes. hurt. It's going to hurt, especially if you're looking to sign a guy like a Shohei Otani. Yeah. You can't have a ton of massive contracts on the books, which means you likely would have to trade for a starting pitcher, yeah, which means right. you're going to have to give up guys from the farm system as well, including potentially a guy like a Josue De Paula, who has incredible upside. Um, I think with the Dodgers, they have their – of their own evaluations as far as each one of these guys are concerned uh with Josue de paula i think he's incredibly talented and i look forward to seeing him in great lakes that is dependent on some of the opportunities the dodgers have in the trade market which we have no insight as far as what any of those conversations are like nobody has any insight right now because i don't even think the people that are making the decisions really i think they have some ideas but, you know, you know, until they know the exact packages, it's hard to tell. So, hey, we are out of time for tonight. How many big moves did the Dodgers make this offseason? I'm not having a good feeling. I think they at least find one one big-time starter. I, I, I'm not sold that they're going to actually go get a corner outfielder because I'm not sold that they actually need one. I think if they do, that tells you they're going to move probably Mookie Betts to second base quite a bit. So, mm-hmm. I think at the most – when you're talking top-end talent, at most, a starting pitcher and a corner outfielder. I think that's the most the Dodgers would go as far as getting elite guys. Plus, maybe a DH is concerned. Yeah. Uh, a, cer- a certain yeah, uh, big-time yeah. market. Yeah. 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 That, okay. that, I mean, I, I – yeah, Let me I, back I, up. I, okay, that was a really dumbass thing of me to say. Okay, beyond Shohei Otani, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's getting I guess, late, so I, dude. I'm I'm old. It's getting late. I guess. <laughs> I know. I know. We are. Uh, even though we're we started at six o'clock yeah. Pacific time, it is what seven thirty four Pacific time right now. It is nine thirty four your time. It is ten thirty four yeah. out here in the Midwest towards the East Coast. Uh, so we appreciate you guys sticking along with us for the past hour and a half. If you're concerned, um, definitely has been yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Lamb Donovan seventy three. I want to thank you so much for kickstarting us past our goal. We love doing all the prospect talk. We hope you come back every Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thank you again, Mike. Going to get you on some of these lives too. Cannot wait to start doing that. Add you to this family. This Dodgers Daily family is growing, and it's wonderful in Austin. 
Oh, it's so wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see all the comments in the chat tonight and all the people God, sticking around and watching through it. Um, yeah, no, we really appreciate it. Uh, yep. Okay, man, that's going to be the end of this show, so we got to get out of here. I got to get to bed so I can go to work tomorrow. My wife and I are both going to go to work at the same place tomorrow, the place to where my wife is the teacher of the year, of, you know, teacher of the month. So super proud of her. So I wanted to get that out there, my beautiful bride. So, hey, until next time, which will be, what is this, Wednesday night? Friday evening, whenever I talk to either Austin or Mike or Coach Holt or Andrew or somebody, whoever is actually available on a Friday night, who actually has a life like I don't, that, that you know, that's not going out on a Friday night like everybody should be. Okay, until we talk to then, I would like to say thank you for tuning in and go Dodgers. <laughs>